Last week I shared with you that I was uh, going to try to um, run a marathon again. And uh, I know it sounds strange to some of you, but I really miss being able to run uh, for three hours. Um, you know, and that's the part that sounds strange to you. Now, it takes me longer than three hours to run a marathon. Uh, it's just that after three hours, it's it's no, I don't miss it anymore. Uh, you know, the um, the fastest I've ever done a marathon in is three hours and forty some minutes. That's the fastest I've ever done it in, uh, and I've been over four hours. I think maybe even over four and a half. I'd have to look. So the last forty minutes or last hour and a half is pretty miserable. Uh, you know, it's not that my favorite thing uh, to be able to run a marathon. Then uh, it's just those those last um, minutes, hours become a lot of work. I was thanks, Andy. I was thinking about that. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to try to do a half marathon. I'm going to try to do 13.1 miles. It takes me significantly uh, less time. Um, it's just it, it, the amount of time it takes to train for a marathon, this isn't going to work for me right now. It's, I have other things I need to do and want to do. And so the, the, on a, when I'm training for a marathon on a Friday, I'll go out and run for three hours. And then there's some recovery time after that. And I just don't, I just don't feel I have the time to, to do that. So a half marathon seemed much more doable to me. And, um, I've done at least 15 of those, maybe more. Now the problem is, um, that was 14 years and 25 pounds ago that I, uh, actually, uh, stopped running that far. Um, but I thought it would have, I, it would be good to have a goal. I'm going to train for a, a goal to run the half marathon and that my goal in my head was two hours. I was going to try to finish in under two hours. I think only one half marathon that I'd ever run the first one, I finished in uh, over two hours. The others have all been under two hours. So I figured, well, that would be good. And so the other day when I was working on the sermon, I sat down and I did the math. I know how fast I run now and or, or don't run as the case may be. So I have come up with a, a new goal. My new goal is to try to finish this in under two hours and 11 minutes. Um, you know, not that I'm anal about, you know, time or anything, but that's just the way it kind of... Um, Worked out. So three times this week, I went out to run. My goal was to run for 30 minutes each time because that's where I, that's where I'm at right now. I'm able to run for 30 minutes for the most part. And so I thought, well, I'll just go out and run for 30 minutes. On Monday, last Monday, I don't know if you remember last Sunday, you know, I was coughing and hacking and stuff. And so I went out to run Monday and there was a breeze. Well, you know, when you're running, it's called wind. And so uh, as I'm running, I, I was, I was pretty tired after 20 minutes. And so instead of turning right and doing another loop around the neighborhood, I turned left and went home, you know, and just kind of cut it short. Well, so then Tuesday I got up and I went out and I was running and I was timing myself. And as I came around to that same corner, I thought, well, I feel okay. I'll, I guess I'll keep running. And I looked at my watch as I'm going and it's at 22 minutes. And while I'm running, I'm thinking, man, Am I glad I'm not going to do a full marathon <laughs> because it's just this is just this is just more work you know, than uh, than I really wanted to do. And then as I was running a few few more steps, a little longer, and then I thought, why did I think a half marathon was a good idea? You know why? They do a 5K 
I'm thinking, this, I'm thinking through this thing. They do a 5K at this, at this race too, you know, the, the, uh, uh, Fort for Fitness. And I thought, maybe I'll just do the, maybe I'll just do the 5K instead, you know, and that would be, you know, that would, that would, that would be fine. And then I thought, you know, I, I, um, I don't want to settle for a 5K. I want to get beyond where I am now. And if I'm going to get beyond where I am now, I just realized once again that I need to sit down and you know, I, I need to really get up. What I'm going to have to do is to be intentional with my training to be able to get to that place where I can run 13 miles again. I'm going to have to be very intentional with my training. I'm going to have to choose to do things that will help me to get beyond where I'm at now. Today, in the passage we're looking at, we're looking at getting beyond where we're at right now in our relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to encourage you to be intentional in your relationship with Jesus. And, and you will really enjoy it. Just like, you know, I will enjoy being able to run that far. I will. I won't now. I don't right now because it's, it, it, I'm just not, not there. But working and adding a little bit more and being intentional about doing more, you get to that place of enjoyment. It's the same thing in our walk with Christ. When we, you know, sometimes when we think about doing all these things and we think, you know, it just seems to be a little bit overwhelming, a little bit more than we can do and handle. But if what we do is we work on being intentional with that, uh, we'll be surprised in how much we grow. Let's pray. We're going to turn to our passage. Father, thank you for the way in which you have made us as individuals. We're all here and we're, we're different. We are gifted differently. We can do different uh, ministries. We have different talents. We have different likes. We have different dislikes. But we all serve the same God. We all serve you. We all come wanting not only that relationship with you, but a life with you. And Father, we all have to admit that sometimes we've kind of felt a little stuck. That we felt we're not where we'd like to be, we're not where we want to be, and sometimes we're just tired. I pray that you would use your word this morning to help us to see what it means to be um, walking with you, uh, how we can be a bit more intentional in our life with you, and enjoy it. So Father, use your word in our lives, speak to each situation that you know is here. That we, we will know that we've heard from you this morning. That's my prayer, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. <coughs> if you're using a pew Bible, it's page 1082. And I think it's pretty warm in here. I don't know about the rest of you. Some of you will nod and some of you will shake your head. Um, we always know when we have the temperature set right because some of you tell me it's too warm and some of you tell me it's too cold. It's the same thing with the music. We know when it's okay because some of you tell me it's too loud and some of you tell me it's too soft. Um, you know, so we're in a good spot, I guess. Philippians chapter 4, uh, we ended last week with verse 1 of chapter 4. That's also where we're going to start this week. Now remember, this was one long letter as Paul wrote it. It didn't have these chapter divisions when God guided Paul to write this and put it together. It just really kind of all flowed as it was written originally. Um, and as we look at these verses, I'm, gonna, I'm going to pull out four areas if we uh, get that far. I'm going to pull out four areas <coughs> where being more intentional will draw us closer to Christ 
And will help us to rejoice, really. Will help us to be able to get to that place where we can rejoice, being able to, to know, you know, that we're further along with him. I'm going to read this in four shorter sections, of beginning with verse 1. Follow along. It says, So then, my brothers, you who are dearly loved and longed for, my joy and crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Iodia and I urge Sintiki to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partners, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Now, this is the first pause we're going to take right there. The area I see for us here in these verses is to intentionally choose unity. Intentionally choose unity. Now, we are not given the particulars of the dispute here between Iodia and Sintiki. We're not told what it was that they were arguing about. We're just told that they weren't getting along and that he, he was urging them to agree in the Lord. And he was, he was, uh, I was going to say pushing. He was directing them and trying to pull them that way. We don't know what it was. You know, it, it certainly, it could have been about, you know, it could have been about the, the, the color they were going to paint the uh, church floor or, or the, you know, the, the church walls. It could have been that maybe they thought um, they should, one thought they maybe should be, uh, you know, using a, a different translation of the Bible. <laughs> they didn't have that. Uh, you know, that maybe they should be singing different songs. Uh, they, they maybe, uh, you know, maybe they were wondering about, you know, the hypostatic union. We don't know. We're not told, you know, what it was or how minor, how major their dispute was. What we're told is that the dispute was so well known that Paul felt he had to address it in a public way. Now, when he wrote this letter, he knew this letter was going to be read to the Philippian church. It was going to be, this is what they did. They didn't all have copies. I mean, you all, there's, if you don't have your Bible, you know, with you or you don't have it on your phone or whatever else you're carrying around, there's one in the pew right in front of you. They didn't have that, so they would stand and they would read this letter out loud. They would read the, the words that Paul wrote. And Paul knew that this was going to be read out loud when the church was gathered together. And the dispute between Iodia and Syntyche was of such a nature, at least, it, uh, at least so public that it then needed to be addressed in a public way. Now, this is the only mention we have of these these two women in the Bible here. <laughs> How would you like your your uh, legacy to be that you caused division in the church because you couldn't get along with someone? Oh, do you remember? You know, do you remember Fred? Yeah. Oh, we used to have a Fred. Do you remember Oscar? Uh, man. <laughs> Remember the trouble he caused? Yeah, it's a, how'd you like that to be your, you know, what, what you were, what you were known for, what you were remembered for? Uh, our problem is, you know, that we too often let disputes rob us of joy instead of using that energy to settle the problem. We let it rob us of joy. Now, you're still investing energy. You're investing energy in a dispute, but it's, a, it's energy that revol, re, results in the dispute continuing to go. You see, because we want people to know we were right. And they need to know that we were right. We want, them, we want, we want this other person to see things our way. And that's important to us, so we push so they'll see things our way. And then we're going to wait for them to come and apologize. You see, when we put all of this energy into it, what, uh, understand, unity is not uniformity. You know, it's not everyone thinks the same thing. We don't all agree on everything. And, you know, and that's really okay. Which translation of the Bible is the best? 
Don't tell me because, you know, I may disagree with you. Which one's most accurate? You see, we all have that in our minds, and if we asked everybody here, we'd come up with all sorts of, you know, some of us, some, some, uh, it, it doesn't matter. You know, some of you just <gasps> inside, you know, but it's okay. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't matter. We don't have to agree on every detail of what we would even say are important things. <coughs> we just celebrated communion. Is it better to use grape juice or, or wine? Well, you say, well, grape juice, that's what you always use, you know, isn't it? You know, I've been at churches, you know, where they, they use, they use wine because, well, that's what Jesus did, you see. Is communion to be celebrated every single time we gather together? Some churches do that. Or is we do it here once a month? Is once a month sufficient? Is once a month too much? You know, do you need to do it quarterly? You know, do the elements actually become the body and blood of Christ? Or do they remain only symbols? You see, we can, we can, we can get our feathers flipped about that and, you know, about any of these things. And, and really, we, we don't have to be all in agreement on that. Because what you believe on these things is not going to change your eternal destiny. What you believe about Jesus is going to affect your eternal destiny. And on those things, you know, on, on, on who Jesus is, that's, that's a little different. But, you know, we don't have to be the one in the argument to keep the argument going either. You can say, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure glad that, that I'm getting along with everybody because he's preaching on this. We don't have to be the one in the argument to keep the problem going. In a dispute between two people, you know what they want. They want you to choose their side. You know, they want you to agree with them, you know, and if we line up people, if we line up enough people, you know, then, then that, that will be a good thing. I found it interesting. This phrase in the Lord, uh, is repeated three times and this thing's not working again. And now Andy's not there. Give me the next slide. <coughs> Thanks. Um, you know, it, it, it's repeated three times. It, it comes up in verse one, verse two, and verse four. We haven't got that far yet, but you see, that should, it should mean something to us. Well, the fact that it's in the Lord should mean something to us. What we need to do is we need to choose God's side rather than rather than someone else's side. You know, choose God's side. That's the next slide, Caleb. Poor Caleb. This is not going to work well because I got a lot of stuff in there today. Choose God's side rather than one of the people that are arguing. Rather than the people that are in the argument, choose God's side. And then help help both sides to see God's side rather than seeing the other one's faults. Because when they're in an argument, when they're in a discussion, what they're doing is they're seeing the faults of the other one. And when they come to you, what they are telling you is about the faults of the other one. So instead of joining them and picking out faults of either one, try to help them. Choose God's side. Be on God's side. When I talk to people and, you know, they're a little concerned sometimes and sometimes they'll say, you know, well, you're going to pick, you know, you're going to do so-and-so. No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to pick God's side. Now, it's hard for us when it's somebody we love and somebody that's hurting somebody we love, but still, choose God's side. You want to choose his side on there. The question is in a dispute is not which one is right, but it's rather, you know, that each one is following God because God is right. Abraham Lincoln, and I love this, Abraham Lincoln said, did you do that or me? 
Okay, we'll go back one. Uh, you do it and I'll wait. There we go. Abraham Lincoln said, you know, he said, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side for God is always right. So what you want to do is you want to be on God's side. Work to be on God's side. Join him in what he is doing. Join him. I don't know if this is going to work or not. You know, so join him in what he is doing and and let God be the one that pulls things together. You know, work to be on his side. When you intentionally choose unity, you are working to be unified with God. You're working to be unified with God and to stand with him and to bring others along with that. Verse 4 tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. The call there is to rejoice in the Lord. Not your situation. Not the circumstance. You know, but to rejoice in the Lord, it's, it's, it's not what's going on around you. It's the same. We looked at this a few weeks ago. It's the same phrase that you see in, in chapter 3, verse 1. You know, to rejoice in the Lord. But now he adds the word always. Rejoice in the word, in the Lord always, he says. That means, well, it means always. It means that there's not a time, there's not a time, no matter what's going on, no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, no matter what challenges are before you, <coughs> that there's not a time there in which you, in which you can't rejoice in the Lord. Now, notice I didn't say it's that you won't, because sometimes we choose we're not, that we're not going to. But what he's telling us is there's not a time, there's not a situation. You can always, he says, rejoice in the Lord, no matter, but what if this is, because he's pulling our attention here to God. Now, the, the, the phrase that kind of gets to me there, you know, in the, it says, let your graciousness be known to everyone. Your graciousness. You know, let, let, the, let that be known to everyone. You guys in the back, knock on the wall there. Give me, give me, give me, there you go, the graciousness. <laughs> This could be a long sermon. Some of the translations say reasonableness. You know, let your graciousness be known to everyone. Did you ever stop and think about this? What are you known for? What are you known for? If you don't know, ask ask your husband or your wife, you know, and maybe they'll tell you. Um, ask a few other people, what am I, what am I known for? Okay, now realize you may not like the answer. I told you a few weeks ago, one of the things I'm known for, you know, in our region and, you know, in, in other times, and um, I'm, I'm known for being a smart aleck. And even though I have realized that's not what God wants of me, um, you know, and I have tried to change that, this is what this is how some of them know me. And so when they see me, some of their first comments to me are, in line with me being a smart aleck, you know, and, and things. And um, it's it's what I built up for myself. And in one sense, I kind of have to live with that and make sure I don't respond from that. But let your graciousness be known. That word graciousness, it means a generous spirit that rises above offenses. 
It's non-retaliatory. It's something that's non-retaliatory. It's fair, mild, and gentle. It deals with how we respond and interact with others. That graciousness. How is it that you respond? How is it that you interact with others and take care of things? Again, thank you. And you know, so this is what he's saying. Let that be known. Let that be what's known about you. Let that be what is evident to all. Let that be seen by everyone. He says, let it be known by everyone. Even the undeserving. Even the jerks. Even let the jerks see your graciousness. Jenny had an interaction with uh, somebody on Friday, and she was telling me about it later. And I was irritated. I was irritated by how somebody was treating my wife. And I thought a couple of things. One is, I want to go over there and tell them. I want to go over there and set them straight. And as she was telling this to me, you know, and I'm just getting more and more aggravated inside. And she said, and I was ready to say something back to him. She said, well, you know, Jenny, her responding in kind isn't exactly what always happens. But she said, I was getting ready to say something. And she said, one of my students was there and she didn't, who Jenny didn't see. And Jenny said, you know, she was getting to that place where she was ready to see, to, you know, to say something to this woman who is now giving my wife a lecture, you know, in this store because of the other lady's incompetence, but I'm biased. Uh, is, uh, the student says, Mrs. Ryan, you know, and uh, comes over and talks to Ginny. And, and Ginny said, it was, it was a good thing, she said, because I probably would have, you know, would have said something that I shouldn't. You know, let your graciousness be known to everyone, even to the jerks. Even to those people who are out of line. Let your graciousness be known to them. Your gracious response, it needs to be more, your gracious response needs to be more obvious than your opinions and then your feelings. We usually lead with our opinions and feelings. He says, let your graciousness be what's leading there. Now, it's not putting up a false front. That's not what it is at all. What it is, is it's, it's dealing with people the way God's called us to. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, you have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you to love your enemies? This is how I tell you to deal with people. He says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. See, it's not putting up a false front. What it's doing, it's walking in obedience to Christ. He says, you know, don't be, con- don't be conquered by evil. Conquer evil with good. Not with more might. Not with a better, not with a better comeback. Conquer it with good. First Thessalonians. He says, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone. No one repays it to anyone, he says, but always, always pursue what is good. Pursue it. Put your, put your face toward it and pursue it. Run after it. What is good for one another and for all. It's not putting up a front at all. What it's doing is, is you're letting your gracious response to everyone be more obvious than your opinions and your feelings because that's what God has called you to. Not because it's easy, 
Not because it's convenient. Not because they'll think better of you. But because this is what God has called you to. Then he tells us the Lord is near. Let your graciousness be known to everyone for the Lord is near. Now this can have a double meaning here. The Philippians certainly would have seen this a little bit different light than we would have. They would have seen this as meaning that the Lord was going to return soon. Now the early church believed and lived with the expectation that Jesus could return again at any day, at any moment. In fact, they expected to see it in their lifetime. This is some of what the Thessalonians were struggling with. The Thessalonians were saying, but you know, my Uncle Harry died and, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. What's going to happen? Because he's coming back. See, this is how they live. They lived under that expectation. What a great way to live. To live thinking that while you're in the middle of giving somebody a lecture, Jesus could walk around. A, well, he wasn't going to walk around a corner. That Jesus is going to come down and say, I'm back. Oh, man. You know, what are you in the middle of? You know, what are you in the middle of? when he got, And they lived with that expectation. What a great way to live. Now, for us, there's also the meaning that Jesus is indeed with us. He is nearby. Though we can't physically see him, he is still the one listening to that conversation. He is still the one there with you. you know, and if you thought, if you realize that, that God is watching over you, if he's aware of your attitude and your actions and your opinions and your involvements, would any of them change? If you realized, if you realized that God was aware that Jesus was standing right next to you with, you know, those opinions, those involved, those actions, those things you blurred out of your mouth, would any of them change? If any of them would change, then change them. Begin to live more like He's called you to. In that graciousness. Our time on earth is too short to hold grudges. It is. It's, it's too short to hold grudges, and it's too short to be irritated by people. You say, well, then they should quit irritating me. Uh, who are you letting keeping you, who are you letting keep you from rejoicing in the Lord? You see, you need to realize it's not their fault. It is a choice you make in response to the problem to let them influence you you choose to you choose to let them influence you so much that it it distracts you from the lord and his presence in your living it's a choice you make to be distracted from god and to be distracted from him in your living we need to get into verse 6 the second area is a little more fully revealed he says, don't worry about anything and everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. He says, don't worry. worry. That word worry literally means to be pulled in different directions. That's what that word means, to be pulled in, that you're being pulled in different directions. It's being troubled with care. You know, like you, you, know, uh, you, you know what you should be doing, but that worry just begins to pull you. And it begins to, it begins to, to pull you apart. And this is, you know, this is the, the, the picture. It's a great picture where it's wrong thinking that results, it results in wrong feelings. Worry seems to come without invitation though, doesn't it? You don't have to invite it in. You don't have to go looking for it. It just seems to be there. Because worry is what we do 
while we're waiting to see how things will turn out. That's what it is. It's what we do with our mind and where we let our mind go while we're waiting to see how things turn out. I saw this online this week. I thought it was, I thought it was good. Worry won't stop the bad stuff from happening. It just stops you from enjoying the good. Worry isn't going to stop the bad stuff. It's not going to stop it at all. I think the direction for us in this is to resolve our worry. That's the second area to apply. Intentionally resolve worry. Intentionally resolve worry. Now, don't separate this from verse 4 and rejoicing in the Lord. In the Lord. Not in your situation. Don't separate this when I talk about resolving worry. Part of, you know, what you're going to do with resolving worry, you know, is that rejoicing in the Lord. Don't separate it from verse 4. Don't separate it from verse 5 and realizing that the Lord is near. Pull these things together. We quite, we, we worry, we most often worry about things that never happen. You know, and, 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 you know, probably the next largest time we spend worrying is we worry about things that we can't change and we can't influence. You know, and we need to be able to come to grips with some of this. We need to be able to come to grips with this. So how do we resolve worry? Well, look at it, what, what, what the verse says. Through prayer. You say, well, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. You're the preacher. Well, I'm just telling you what the Bible says here. You, you, you want to start resolving worry? It's, it's by prayer. Now, <coughs> pray, pray while you are gathering all the information you can about the situation. Gathering information about the situation does not go at all, uh, it does not go at all against prayer. It does not fly in the face of God at all. I was sharing, my friend Dave is, is in town with us this weekend, and uh, I was sharing with him and talking with him about, um, you know, when, when they found these tumors and we started going to the doctor and, you know, and so I'm going to three different doctors, uh, you know, and they're, uh, Telling me about the different things about these tumors in my head. You know, well, first they find the one, then they find a the second one, and and um, you know, I'm getting information from all three doctors and two approaches. You know, they're looking surgery, they're looking radiation. You know, and these are these are the things. And actually, and one of them says, you know, you can do nothing. Well, that's always an option. It just didn't seem like fun. Uh, you know, so so you know, they're telling me and they're giving me this information, and I'm getting all this information. And, and really, I I could have given you an argument for for any of the three options, well, except to do nothing. That just didn't seem to make sense to me. But, you know, the, the other options of radiation or surgery, and, and I, it's, it's just, it's, so I'm getting the information and stuff. And, um, and we were praying the whole time, Lord, give us direction, because you know what? Part of, part of the deal here was, you know, as you're getting information, and sometimes you're getting a little more confused. And so, you know, just Lord, just give us real clear direction. And so we go and we see the uh, radiation oncologist and radiation oncologist lays out all this stuff and the radiation procedures and all they're going to do and all that stuff. And, you know, we're listening to him. And um, then the, the other the uh, other doctor tells me the effects of radiation, what's going to happen, uh, you know, and they're, they're losing the hearing and stuff. And uh, he's telling me that and it's none, of the, none of this just sounds like fun to me. And uh, so then we go to see the neurosurgeon and we're sitting in it and, you know, we'd been praying all this time. Just Lord, give us, just give us, give us direction. And I'm getting all this information and stuff. And so we're sitting in there and we're sitting with the neurosurgeon and he's going over and he's talking about, you know, the, the tumors and some of the things they have to do to get to them and all that stuff. And um, 
So the neurosurgeon looks right up at us and says, I don't know why you wouldn't choose radiation. And uh, he says, hey, with me, I think I'd, I'd go with the radiation. Now, we had a lot of, uh, we, we like this neurosurgeon. We think he's really good and everything. And the guy who was going to do the surgery is telling me, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you should do the surgery. I think you should do the radiation. We walked out. We literally walked out of that room, closed the door, stood in the hallway, looked at each other and said, well, that was pretty clear. <laughs> and you know what we had right there? Peace. Peace about what we were going to do. I had all this information. You know, I was getting the information, and, and, and we were praying through the whole time. And it wasn't working against anything. I had that peace that comes from God. You know, that, 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 that was there. You do everything by prayer. You know, it, but it also says with thanksgiving. Also give thanks. You can always be thankful, you know, for your relationship with the Lord and his presence with you, even in the midst of a poor situation. Rejoice in the Lord. You can always be thankful that he is, even in the midst of a poor situation, that you are not alone. We are quick to ask God for things, and we're slow to thank God for things. We're slow to thank him for things. You know, we're very quick to ask him about it. And he says, you know, when you, when you do those, those things, he talks about the peace of God. And the, the peace of God does not come through worry. It does not come through worry at all. He says, and that, that peace of God, it, you know what it's going to do? He says, it's going to guard your heart. Instead of worry filling your hearts, I love the picture here. It's that the, the peace of God will garrison your heart. Garrison your heart. What a great picture. God sets a garrison there to protect your heart. And I think, who's going to get through that? Nobody's going to get through that. No, that, 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 that peace of God, he says. Now, that comes from spending time. The, the peace of God comes from spending time, you know, in prayer and, and thanksgiving. That's where it comes from. You know, it, it's not from spending time feeding worry. The peace comes from spending that time. Now, this is coming from a guy. Paul is writing this while he is under arrest, and he's facing the possibility of death. To keep peace with the Jewish population, not because he's done something wrong, but because the Jewish population, because the Jewish leaders brought him to the Roman officials because he's causing trouble. And the Roman officials wanted to keep peace, and they were willing to put Paul to death to keep peace, not because Paul had done something wrong. And he says, and this is what he's saying. He's saying that peace of God's going to guard your heart, man. He says that prayer with thanksgiving. Intentionally resolve worry instead of feeding it, instead of compounding it. Spend time in prayer and thanksgiving. Don't feed Rejoice in the Lord and in who he is and in what he has for you. And let that be what let that let that be what is pulling you forward and what is what is getting you. To that place of being able to rejoice in the Lord. You have a few more out blanks in your outline. Um, we're not going to get to them. Um, the um, I, 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 I hope this kind of has made some sense for you so far today. Because uh, unfortunately, we're only about this little past halfway through, and unless you want to stay till. You know, twelve fifteen, that ain't gonna happen. 
And uh, so we're going to pause here. Uh, we're going to hit pause here, and we'll pick this up next week. So, uh, so come back. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but really, realize, realize you have a choice. You, you, you know, you may not have a choice. Sometimes we have a choice about the situation we're in, and sometimes we don't. Some of you are sitting here. You don't have a choice about the situation you're in. Something has come along, you know, and hit you health-wise. Your family has made choices that make your skin crawl. You raised your kids better than this, and they go ahead and they, what? Some of you are in situations where, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to have a job next week. I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. You can invest time worrying, which is foolish. Or you can invest time in prayer and thanksgiving, realizing who the Lord is. And you can rejoice in the Lord instead of worrying about your circumstances. Worry comes in. You don't have to invite it. Worry comes in. Resolve that worry. Resolve it. Resolve it through prayer. Resolve it through thanksgiving. We'll pick up more with this next week, but let's pray.